The following sermon is by Kenny Jones, Associate Pastor of Capital Community Church located in Raleigh, North Carolina. Capital Community Church is a people awakened to a holy God. If you are searching for a new church home, are from out of town looking for a church to worship with, or simply seeking for answers, please join us for worship at 9 o'clock a.m. every Sunday morning. If you have any questions, please email us at info at We pray this sermon will help you grow deeper in your walk with Jesus Christ. It's good to sing, uh, it's always good to sing those hymns. You know, those timeless truths really do continue to resonate and uh, minister to our hearts as we sing them. You know, there's a song I sing to my girls every night called In My Heart There Rings a Melody. I don't know if y'all know it, but there's a stanza that we don't sing most of the time. It's actually not even in hymn books anymore, but, um, but it talks about how your commands, O oh Lord, penetrate our hearts in the song. And so it's very much a, that's what songs do. Melodies catch easy in our minds, don't they? And so it's, um, anyway, plus you can't beat that song. Um, Amen. So anyway, any of those songs. So anyway, as you walked in here this, this evening, you should have received an outline. So if you didn't grab one, they're right, um, actually right there in the vestibule, or the lobby, excuse me, of our, or Chris has one, he'd be happy to hand one to you, as we continue our walk through the Ten Commandments. And so tonight we are looking at the Fifth Commandment, Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. And so if you have your Bibles, you can go and flip over to Exodus chapter 20, starting in um, verse 12, and we are looking at the command to honor thy father and thy mother. And I know if my parents were here today, they would go, man, we've <laughs> we got a lot to listen from you tonight. Um, and so, <clears throat> though I was a perfect child, so um, anyway, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, well, let's, before we get started, let's bow our heads and ask the Lord to uh, lead us in our time tonight through His Word. If you would, bow your heads with me. Eternal Lord and Heavenly Father, we are grateful for this evening. Father, thank you for allowing us to sing those timeless truths. And Lord, as we sing, we are reminded, Lord, that they are pointing us directly to your Son, Christ. And so, Father, I pray now that as we continue our walk through the Ten Commandments, as we look through Exodus chapter 20, Lord, continue to use your word to penetrate our hearts and our minds, so, Father, that we can be made more in the image of your Son, Christ. And, Lord, that it will, this, this word, as it says, Lord, it will never return void. It's living and active, sharper than to any two-edged sword. So, Lord, do the work in our hearts that we need, and continue to teach us, Lord, how to honor our parents, how to listen to authority. So, Father, we love you, and we pray these things always in Christ's good and holy name. Amen. Well, like I said, if you got your Bibles, let's look over to Exodus chapter 20. And tonight we are looking at verse 12. So listen along with me in Exodus 20, verse 12. It says in God's word, Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. I'll read it again. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Robert E. Lee once said, Obedience to lawful authority is the foundation for manly character. And then a good quote from General Robert E. Lee. And you know, when you think about 
the idea of authority and you think about being obedience to lawful authority or even just obedience to authority as a whole, you quickly realize that when you are called to listen to authority, it really transcends into many other areas of our lives, whether we realize it or not. But deep within our consciences from an early age, you probably didn't even realize that there is a sensitivity to listening to authority, right? Even when you go back to your days, and even though I made the quick joke about you know, me being a perfect child, nonetheless, you can remember, no matter where you came from or your background, listening to your parents or listening to people in your life that were authority over you, you listened to them, didn't you? And deep within the recesses of our heart, there's something about us listening to being this is the right way, this is the wrong way. And we can see even in you know, Exodus chapter 20, though it's only one verse, it has a profound effect on our life. I grew up in a, two, with two wonderful parents that loved my sister and I. And my dad really set the tempo of you know, wanting me and my sister to be obedient. Now granted, he was strict, but in a loving way. Yeah, he was never, you know, malicious or anything that way, but he really set the tempo for my sister and I to be able to listen to my mom and as well as for him. And my dad had a wonderful signal for my sister and I. You know, we had chores around the house, and if, you know, for example, one of my chores growing up was to wash the dishes or empty the dishwasher, and I can remember if my mom asked me after dinner, hey, empty the dishwasher, and I didn't do it, my dad had this wonderful signal of this, and that's all he would do. And it was basically, oh, I thought I heard, you know, you to listen. You know, that was his command. He would do it for my sister and myself, just cupping of the ears, right? But that was a sign for us to go, okay, let's jump on it quickly. But even with that example, there's a meaning behind just the simple act of my, my hands to my ear for a reason. You're supposed to listen, right, the first time, right? And even though I'm a, trying to be a parent, You know, I see that now even in my own children. And even if you don't have children, right, nieces or nephews or cousin or or children in your life that you are trying to help bring up or, or teach, you understand that there is something really eternal and really going to penetrate their heart when you say, don't go this way, go that way. And that's what we see here tonight. In Exodus chapter 20, if you look with me, And as we have been looking um, the last couple of weeks, you know, when you look at Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, this is the fifth commandment, but it's a natural flow to where we have been because the first four commandments are all about God. If you look at the structure of Exodus 20, verse starting in verse 1, all the way to verse 12, you see that the first four are totally about God. And to summarize those four commands, it can really be just to honor the Lord, right? His Sabbath day, don't take his name in vain no graved images, or putting no God before me. You can sum it up in two words, or excuse me, three, honoring the Lord, which then helps us to see it's a natural flow to respecting our honor, or excuse me, honoring our mother and our father. So look with me in the text, and you can go ahead and see your outline of number one, of why do we honor our father and our mother. When you look at the text, number one, it starts right out of the gate, honor your father and your mother. So let's stop here for a second. The first word we see in this command is the word honor. And the Hebrew word is kavod, meaning heavy. So the Hebrew word there in your outline for honor means heavy. And the Greek word, the equivalent of this word is tomeo, which is, and you can see in your outline, placing a high value upon it or upon them is another way you can put that down. So the Hebrew word for honor means heavy. 
And later in your outline, the Greek equivalent means placing a high value upon it. So the Hebrew word is actually the same for the glory of God. So another way of understanding it is the weightiness of God's divine majesty. And so a way for us to understand honor is there is much weight giving to the position of mother and father. That's another way for us to understand this. And so when you look with me further in the verse, we need to understand that it's breaking down into twofold. Number one, we need to see the word your. Now you're probably wondering, Kenny, why are you stopping there? Let's just go straight to mother and father. But we have to see that possessive pronoun there for a reason, because your is important. That possessive pronoun is showing this as God has given you personally specific people in your life, a specific mother and father who are called to give authority over you. Now, now I know a lot of us in this room are watching online. When you say family, when you say mother or father, we have to be honest with ourselves because that can create negative connotations or feelings, right? We have to be honest with, right, with the world we live in. But nonetheless, we have to see that there are specific people that you can think of in your own life that were used to be authority figures in your life, just for example purposes. My mom was Patty. My father was Raymond. Raymond and Patty Jones were given to me for a specific reason, right? And for my sister, of course, not to leave her out. But we have to see that key word there, your, because they're there for a reason, and they were given to you. Now, when you move further on... And there you see father and your mother. Then let me say this to break down the text a little more. You can see there in B in your outline, God gave us your father and mother. The your is a possessive pronoun. And I forgot one. God is the one who gave you your specific parents. So that's in your outline. But C under P under B point two there, the fifth commandment breaks down two roles. Write that down. Two roles. Father and your mother. Now we have to see this specifically. Because in the New Testament, we see even Paul, when he's, a, when he's writing in Colossians and as well as Ephesians, he says parents. And of course, he's referring back to mother and your father. But here in the Ten Commandments, the two roles are being, are, are being split apart for a reason. And what God is doing is he's going back to the creation account. He's going back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, and as well as in Genesis chapter 2, verses 7 through 9, when God created man and woman, male and female. And these two roles, of course, when we see them complement each other, right? They go together as one, male and female, two different sexes. But then when we see further on, as you can see in your outline, nothing to write down. But when you see further on in Genesis, in Genesis chapter 4, you see the first family being formed. And that is, of course, with Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel. Now, if you are a student of the Bible, of course, we know what happens to Cain and Abel. But nonetheless, we see the foundations there of Cain and Abel, Adam and Eve set. We see the first family. And even when you see out further within Genesis chapter 5, when you see the descendants of Noah, you see families listed over and over and over again. So you see right from the beginning of creation that family is set for a purpose. Adam and Eve, from the creation account, the same command that Adam and Eve are given, even though the fall is happening, is still called to be in charge over Cain and Abel. And of course, later Seth, right? Because you know who dies, right? Abel does. But nonetheless, you see the foundation set from the creation account, which allows us to see, and this is in your outline, number three, under B, that God ordains the father and the mother to have authority over their children. Number three there, God ordains the father and the mother to have authority over the children. 
And we need to see this. And this is the precedent we see from the creation account. Because when we understand that it has been from creation forward, that allows us to see something very important here. Notice God created Adam and Eve. God also gave authority to Adam and Eve. Okay? This is the key word there. He gave them authority. It's just it's not some man-made idea when we understand the parental role or honoring our mother and father. God gave Adam and Eve the command to take care of Cain and Abel as the first family, which then allows us to see something very important for us if we're going to honor our father and our mother. Since God gave the command to rule over children and to lead children, if God gave it, then we have to understand if we're going to honor our parents, it's, it's the direct line to God himself. Does that make sense? Which is number three here. How we understand a parental authority shows us how we give reverence to God. Since God is the one who's giving authority, we have to see who is the giver, and that is God. And so that's what I mean there in your outline. How we understand parental authority shows us how we give reverence to God. And this is key for us. This all goes back to the Lord, God giving, God giving the commands here to the people of Israel, right? And so, as we see this idea of since God is giving authority, or God is ordaining the father and mother to have authority, that means obviously then, with this idea of reverence to God, it's also going to show us how we worship and also obey God as a whole. I put in your outline in Leviticus 19, you can read along with me, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel and say to them, you shall be holy for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Every one of you shall revere his father and his mother, mother and his father, excuse me, and you shall keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. You see the correlation here? Right living, holy living, is always going to go back to God, and it's always going to be in, in tying up with honoring our, our father, father, excuse me, our father and our mother. And so we have to see this. Holy living is always going to be correlating with how we are honoring our father and mother or honoring authority figures in our lives. Augustine said, as you can see the quote there, if anyone fails to honor his parents, is there anyone he will spare? That's a pretty staggering quote, isn't it, when you think about it? <clears throat> and so I pray this is helping us to understand why we honor our father and our mother because we see clearly in the Bible that since we are called to honor, there must be something opposite of honor, and that is dishonor. That is dishonor. And the Bible is clear, and we can see in Old Testament times, Deuteronomy chapter 24, Deuteronomy chapter 33, we can see over and over again when you, that there are strict commands in the law of God that if you're going to disobey, honor, your, excuse me, excuse me, disobey, honor uh, your father and your mother, you could be put to death, could be stoned to death in the Old Testament law. That's how severe the Lord took disobeying, you know, our parents. And we also need to see something as well. The establishment of parental authority that God gave Adam and Eve and thus has been passed down to the centuries is also vital for us to have a stable society, whether we realize it or not. From the beginning, God has ordained a family to exist. And so much of our social construct is formed in the family, whether we realize it or not. And if you think about it for a second, and just for an example purposes, think about the last two, two generations before you, right? Think about your parents and your grandparents for a second. 
right? You can think about there are some values and traits that your parents or your grandparents passed down to you. It's very much similar. You remember when Paul encourages Timothy for the faith of his, grand, his mother and his grandmother? Think about even, for example, purposes of my family, right? My grandparents were Christians, my parents were Christians, and by, only by God's grace did my sister and I come to faith in Christ, right? You can see sometimes tangible um, examples of, and traits that were passed down from generation to come. And so you can see the grave effect, the eternal effect of what families place on individuals and on, especially as when, on children and how they are going to always pan out as we get older. But you can see that as God is giving the mother and the father, to be conduits of his power and authority. So much of this is key here that we have to understand, and this is in your outline, that since these are key values, this is in your outline number four, God gave us family values, traditional biblical family values of providing a mother and a father, a male and a female, but they are and have always been under attack. And we have to see this. Listen, the homosexual community, the LGBTQ plus community, the feminist, you know, uh, community, listen, they are trying to break down what God has ordained to be used in this context for authority. It's just clear, right? And we know that we can just flip open the paper, go on the internet to any news site, and you will see what we believe here at Capitol, what we are holding to in God's word, and that today in society, society's eyes, that's hate speech. Get it out of here. Take down your cross, Right? Get that out of here. But we have to understand that when people flee the Lord and just chase after the vain things of this earth, what's always going to happen is a clear, and I put this in your outline, you are going to see people being disobedient to parents. And I put that Bible verse in there in Romans 1, 29, verse 31, which Romans 1 is a clear example of what happens when people flee the Lord. I'm not going to read the whole verse for you tonight, but you can see in Romans 1 there on your outline, it says, people will be murderers, strive, deceit, they are gossip, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, and then keyword here, disobedient to parents. Disobedient to parents. You can see even in 2 Timothy, when Paul is writing to Timothy of the last days, what's, what does he say again? They are going to be disobedience to parents. It's listed twice there in the New Testament. And the attack of the family is very much real. And if we as Christians don't have our guard up, man, they are going to continue to topple it down over and over and over again right before our eyes. As I was doing research for this Ten Commandments over the, over the summer, of all the Ten Commandments, they all it's just been great to just dig deep in God's Word. But you know, as, as you do research, you, you try to look for, you know, articles and, 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 and news sites that can help you do as, as a, a preacher and teacher to continue to expound on your arg- argument. But when I began to dig deep in family values, you, tick, you very quickly can go into very much of, you know, statistics of what the family looks like today. And I found this interesting research over basically, in the 1960s, a lot of historians say that that's when a significant shift took place in regards to taking down or the attack on family values. This research came out, I was, I was, like I said, I was reading it over the summer, that basically it was the anti-fill-in-the-blank began to take place in the 1960s. Anti-family, anti-government, anti-authority began to really take place in the 1960s. 
And I put a quote in here, and you can see in your outline, from one person who was a sympathizer of that mentality, and she wrote that Ann Golub. She writes there, and I'm going to read it out loud for us. We might not have been able to tear down the state, but the family was closer. We could get our hands on it. And we believe that the family was the foundation of the state, as well as the collective state of mind. We truly believe that the family had to be torn apart to free love, which alone could heal the damage done when the atom was split to release energy. And the first step was to tear ourselves free from our parents. Tear ourselves free from our parents. It does not take long to realize in today's time that younger generations, and listen, even my generation, um, has no idea of what authority looks like, right? Has no idea what authority even understands and looks like, and to be obedient to authority in our life. But we have to understand that the foundation that God has set from Genesis chapter 1 is important, right? And we'll get into some more detail about uh, um, honoring other forms of authority here in just a few moments. But we have to see from the right beginning, right, right from the beginning, mother and father, male and female, set a tone that has a huge precedent on our lives, whether we realize it or not. And granted, listen, and I'm saying this again, I don't want to be too much of a broken record. I understand that when you say mother and father, right, it can create anxiety. It can create, right, bad fears and maybe a bad childhood home. But you can probably see men and women in your life that had a significant influence on you, right, that you respected, that you honored, that you obeyed, right? And you probably didn't realize, even maybe at that young age or even when you were in your teens or 20s, whatever it may be, you know, you probably realized those people had an influence on you, which you're paying dividends today as you listened to them, as you respected them, as well as you're honoring them. So when we ask the question why, it's always going to help us to go to an action, right? Why do you do this, right? Why do you do this? Which leads us to our outline. The do part here is honor must be taught. Honor must be taught. And this is in your outline. I put in here the Matthew 15 passage, and I'm not going to read it in entirety. But you can see here, it says, and Jesus says, and he answered this to the Pharisees, why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God commanded, honor your father and your mother. Whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if anyone tells his father or his mother, what will you do have gained for me is given to God? He need not honor his father. Let me stop there. The reason why Jesus is calling out the Pharisees is because the Pharisees have put undue burdens on the people of Israel. What they have taught is this. When you were grown, you were going to receive an inheritance, whatever that may be, right? Could be money, could be land, could be livestock, could be homes, right? A whole host of back in the, people, the day of the Israelites. But when you were grown, you, were, you could receive that inheritance now, which meant, you probably where I'm, you know where I'm going with this. The Pharisees taught, since you have your inheritance now, give it to the temple. Give it to the temple now. Don't take care of your elderly parents, right? Which many, as I was doing research, even in Matthew chapter 15, that's why in Israel's time, you saw a lot of elderly parents homeless in that day. 
all because the Pharisees wanted the temple to be taken care of. Money, inheritance, whatever you had was to be given to the temple. And so Jesus calls them out on it, right? And so right, and the reality is this, we have to have a right biblical understanding of this because listen, Matthew 15 is still going on today, right? Whether we realize it or not. And we can see from countless examples, like I said earlier in the news or just everyday life, that people just disregard even the elderly, don't they? Have no respect of being able to take care of our elderly parents. And listen, I, you know, a lot of you probably know, I had the blessing of taking care of my dad, you know, in his old age. And it wasn't a burden. Yeah, he argued with, you know, one time at the grocery store at the price of bread for 30 minutes. But, you know, then I had to stand there because I was trying to honor my parents. Um, but you know what? I learned a lesson. Bread prices have increased. Um, <laughs> that happened. Yeah, he was not letting go of that one. Um, so, <laughs> so, anyway, but nonetheless, a misunderstanding of caring for our parents continues to go on, right? And that's what we see here, even in Matthew chapter 15, right? So, we have to understand, with instruction, this is in your outline, to learn to honor, I believe that it has to start from the beginning, the beginning of our days. That's in your outline. First, we have to see this. It always helps to see an easy, not always easy, I guess I should say, but a good way to start is with children. Number one, we have to understand the beginning of our days that children truly are a gift from the Lord. Where I'm going from this is that since God has blessed and ordained families, and for those who can have children and have children, and if you, even if you don't, children in your life, in your life right now that, that you are loving and you're praying for, right? You can see that our, they are truly a gift from the Lord. If you are alive today, you are a gift. Life matters to God, right? And we can see that. Psalm 127 says this, children are a heritage from the Lord, right? Again, whether you have nieces, cousins, whatever the case may be, we have to see they are there in your life for a reason, right? You are an example to them. They are watching you, right? They're watching you more than you realize, you know, and I'm seeing that every day, even with my three girls, right? That they are watching me, they are watching Catherine. And so we have, children are a gift. And when they are young and in those formative years, it can be at times an easy way to get them on board to learning how to respecting authority, isn't it? But even as adults, and this is for us, some of us in this room are continuing to be children, right? I gave the example of taking care of my father, right? Even though he was much, much older than I was, right? I still would listen to him at times, right? There's the, the Proverbs and uh, Proverbs chapter 24, listen to the ones with gray hair, right? Y'all probably remember that proverb as well. And I can remember even when my dad would argue with me of everything in this world is going up and, and you know, chewing out the person at Harris Teeter for the price of bread, right? Nonetheless, the reality was I was still listening to him because what he had to say a lot of times really was gold, right? From just wisdom of seeing it and being there. And a lot of times you can know the same for yourself, right? From the example. But then number two, we have to see if we have children, or even as we are as adults, right, and we're still learning, still striving and growing in grace. Number two, teaching starts in the home. Starts in the home. 
Ephesians 6, 4 says, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. When you look in Deuteronomy chapter 6, the great Shema, you know, of the loving Lord your God with all your heart. When you look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, even when you go to chapter 6, probably through 8, you see there a total of God commanding households, fathers and mothers, to be just so having the law of God in every single aspect of life. And when you begin to look at those two chapters there, you realize pretty quickly that when God is commanding the people of Israel to take the law of God everywhere, it's really in everyday life. And so often what we see here is, especially when we see in Deuteronomy chapter 7, from the rising in the the early morning to the end of the day, what he's saying there is almost in the everyday practical day-to-day life is when you're you're going to do your teaching, right? Whether you have children or not, you know the deep questions always come in the most random of times, right? Eleanor, just a couple of nights ago, asked me, you know, I can't see God, right? I want to see him. That's a good question. You know what I mean? I know you probably have heard it before, maybe, right? Or just a couple of months ago, I remember her asking me the great question, well, is Jesus' cross in a museum? I want to see it, right? She knows about the cross, right? It, 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 it was a physical object that was used. And in her mind, she's been to museums, right? She wanted to see it. Can we go see this cross, right? Those may be innocent questions to have, but it's in that day-to-day that we are able to instruct and to teach, right? But even as adults, right, the way we are holding ourselves and responding to older people in our own lives, right, is going to have a grave effect and consequence on people around us, right? I should have probably asked for permission to tell the story, but I'm going to tell it anyway. I had lunch with Jim Briggs' parents about about a year, two years ago, and we were sitting with his father, Dr. Briggs, and we were just talking about family and, and stuff like that, but you saw his parents who had been married. For, how long have they been married? 65 years, right? But it was a very sweet to see that constantly his father would pivot to his mom quickly. And he would always quickly go, well, you know, we, would, we, we did this, right? But there was always this sense of teamwork, right, in the home with Jim's, with Jim's dad. It was never, you know, I did it in my way and, and, you know, Mrs. Briggs did it her way. There was always this sense of teamwork together 60-some years later. You know, he was still complimenting that instruction. They tried, right? It did decent, you know, with Jim. Um, but, you know, just kidding. But nonetheless, I've never forgotten that idea with his dad that there was a sense of teamwork, right, even in the home, right, of working together. And that's where it all starts. But also with instruction, also comes, and this is in your outline, comes discipline. Comes discipline. Proverbs 13, 24, he who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is careful to discipline him. The idea of discipline is biblical because God even disciplines the one he loves, right? We know that from Hebrews. He disciplines the one whom he loves, right? Discipline is from the Bible, right? When we understand that this true discipline comes from the Bible, we most importantly then have to understand that discipline comes from an aspect of love. That's where discipline comes from, right? And that's what we see here. Discipline must always come from love. If it, we don't, if it doesn't come from love, the parent will spurn the child, right? 
Fathers, in Ephesians chapter 3, excuse me, chapter 6, and in Colossians 3, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Listen, the reality is this. Discipline is very much unthought of. I was reading a a statistics again in my research, and I found this a couple of months ago, that over 60% of parents believe that discipline is no longer needed in the home. Isn't that crazy? Over 60% think discipline is no longer needed in the home, right? That is just crazy to even think about, right? And you see, listen, I'm guilty of it too, right? Where you see unruly children, and, and you see, you know, listen, I'm not pot calling the kettle black here, right? Um, but we even from that st- statistic, which I remember saying that to Catherine months ago when I, when I first found it, was startling to me because we need discipline, right? We need to, you even see children a lot of times crave, right, the, the, the rire and odd of discipline sometimes, right? But it always has to be biblical. It always has to be driven out of love, right? Always has to be driven out of love. Otherwise, it will create damage. And listen, we live in a reality in this day and age, and then from years past, abuse happens, and we have to call it out immediately, right? If it's in, ever in a form of being malicious or angry or anything like that, of course, we have to. But if it's helping to correct the child, to bring them on the right path so they, so, so they don't swerve into the ditch, right? If it's driven from an attitude of love, right, and not provoking your children to anger, then we know it's biblical, then we know it's right. Unreasonable demands on children will always have a negative impact. And we know that, right? We see it from this day, from this day and age. So as we continue that honor must be taught, we then have to see also three important factors as well. We're teaching, even as adults, to honor our father and our mother. To honor, this is in your outline, is to love. To honor is to love. Love is one of the most personal and deepest affections between a parent and a child, isn't it? That unconditional love of showing that, you know, to a parent, to a child, well, sometimes words can just, you know, just snatch us away, right? Because it really just, you know, you can always run to mom and father, right? You can always run to your parents, right? It's like, you know, of course, the prodigal son. The father is there with the sacrifice ready, Remember that? It's not that he has to go get it. It's always ready. So love really is the most personal and deepest affections, especially when we understand, right, how much our Heavenly Father loves us, right? This is also helping us to go back to the prologue in Exodus chapter 20. And the Lord God spoke all these words in verse 2. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Remember when we were talking in the very beginning of our Ten Commandments series, Grace and mercy is what delivered the people of Israel. Remember, deliverance came, then the law. We have to see that order in order for us to have a true understanding of the Ten Commandments. And then number two, to honor is to obey. To honor is to obey. When I was growing up, we had a youth group, and there was a big old poster right there in the middle of our youth room that had obedience and died a self. And you probably remember this. This was huge when I was growing up. But it had obedience, and then in all caps, was right in the middle of the word obedience, die, D-I-E. And then, of course, underneath it had died itself in my youth group. But that's very much what obedience is, isn't it? It is dying to ourself so that we can obey the commands of, of Christ. 
Matthew chapter 6, seek first the kingdom of God, right? And all these things will be added to you, right? Colossians 3, children obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. In everything. This does not mean when we want to, but in all times, right? So obedience very much teaches us, and as well as as people are watching us, to honor our father and our mother. And then last, number six, to honor is to respect. To honor is to respect. When we respect, we are showing love and kindness and preference to that person. When I always think of the word respect, I always think of how my mom used to say, you could read so much of how a person respects you from their eyes. How are they looking at you, right? It's just like even now, I don't ever want to throw my children into the bus, but you know, when a child doesn't listen to you, their eyes are not on you, <laughs> right? But very much you can tell, you know, the love and the respect a person has by the way they're looking at you, right? That's why, they're, you know, when you're teaching a child or, you know, from a very young age, look them in the eyes when you're talking to you. Right? We're teaching them to our girls so they can respect, right? No authority, right? I would be remiss to say that my grandmother says to me, if I roll my eyes, you can roll them somewhere else. So that was very much in the Jones household um, when my grandmother Willie used to say to us. So um, you can roll your eyes somewhere else, boy. Um, <laughs> um, or she would say, she never said it to me, but... Um, you better roll your eyes, or otherwise I'm going to catch him. You know, that was not always the best thing to say as well, um, or to listen, to hear, to hear as well. But that, this allows us to see why honor must be taught, right? And listen, people are watching us. People are watching us, ladies and gentlemen, which then allows us to see number three. Honoring your father and your mother is also a command to obey other forms of authority, other forms of authority. I put in your outline, the Westminster Shorter Catechism states in question number 64, I'll read it to you. Question, what is required in the fifth commandment? Answer, the fifth command requireth, yes, I did keep that in there, the preserving, the honor, and performing the duties belonging to everyone in their several places and relations as superiors, inferiors, or equals. Notice a few things there in what is required in the fifth commandment. Everyone in their places, relations, and superiors. Honoring all forms of authority. <clears throat> the question when we see this in the Westminster Catechism always is going to solicit us a direct line of understanding that when we honor our parents, it's going to easily transcend to honoring other forms of authority over us. Remember, within each command, there always stands a whole list of duties and sins that go along with it right? It's always going to transcend into that. And like we've been doing, like we explained within the first four commands, which helps us to understand this. When we honor our father and mother, we have to understand that in this command, God is commanding us to respect anyone who has legitimate authority over us. We have to see that. It's a clear connection here. Any legitimate authority over us. For example, you can see in your outline, I'll put a couple of verses in here. First Peter chapter 2, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Honor everyone. Fear God. Honor the emperor. You can see even in the Old Testament times, a lot of times when you look in the Old Testament, you would see 
the idea of respecting other forms of authority. You can see even in 1 Samuel chapter 24 with King Saul, excuse me, with King David, people refer to the king as their father, right? You can see even with prophets of the day, you see with the prophet Elijah, people called him my father, right? There was a direct connection to the Ten Commandments and the fifth. And we also, like I even said uh, just a few moments ago in Proverbs chapter 24, we also see the elderly adults, right, the ones who are older than us, having honor and authority given. You go back to, I love the example in Ruth, when you see the elders, remember when they gather at the gate when Ruth is going to be redeemed by Boaz? Remember? The elders at the gate had authority over, in that specific example, of Bethlehem which means those authority figures, those elders in the, the, the town of Bethlehem could tell this person what to do. Do that. Do this. Because they were elders in the land, right? And they were treated, even when you see the institution of elders, right, in, in, in Exodus, you see them called as fathers, right? And that's what we see even within the Old Testament. And so, of course, it begs us to look Of course, to Romans chapter 13, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. This is in your outline. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. And that's a great passage for us to even see here. Again, another catechism. In the Heidelberg Catechism, in question number 104, it says, What is God requireth? of the fifth command, answer, that I show all honor, love, and fidelity to my father and my mother, and in all authority over me. I submit myself to their good instruction and correction with due obedience, and patiently bear with their weaknesses and infirmities, since it pleases God to govern us by their hand. All forms of authority, right? We I put a quote in here. I found this quote, again, just a couple of weeks ago. But Philip Ryken, to summarize the fifth command, especially with this respecting all forms of authority, I put it in your line, says this, respect for those who are in authority, or authority and respect is for God because all authority comes from him. Our respect is not based on their personal qualities or professional qualifications, but on the position they have been given by God. Now listen, I know that we live in a world where there are bad people in government. There are bad bosses. We see even from our world history, you know, communist regimes, dictators, right? That's the world we live in. I understand that. But we have to also see from Scripture, as Paul, excuse me, as Peter says before the Pharisees, at the end of the day, Acts 5.29, we must obey God rather than man, right? What I'm not saying is to create a Christian revolution here. But what we have to understand is this. When we are respecting authority and being obedient to authority, it can never go against the Word of God, right? That's the clear command from Scripture. You remember one of my favorite passages ever is in Exodus chapter 1, or excuse me, 1 verse 17, is when, this is just, these are bold women. Remember when Pharaoh told all those Hebrew people, hey, kill the babies? What do the midwives do? Keep them coming, right? They didn't kill them because they knew life was honor and pleasing to God. They kept going. They kept have, allowing these women or helping these women to have children, right? They did not obey the command from Pharaoh. But what we have to understand, and within Romans 13, right, 
God has put government in place to reign in evil, right? To keep peace, right? To keep the law of the land. And listen, in Romans 13, it says, government and other forms of authority are under God. And God provides government a place to work, again, under his order, even when we don't agree with it, right? And listen, sometimes it can be hard, especially with some of the government actions that's taking place. I get it. I really do. But what we have to understand is the government has its limits solely based upon what God ordains and allows. We have to understand. And as I put that in your outline, but what we can take great refuge in as, as Christians, especially when we don't see government or government leaders going the way we think, Remember, Jesus is King of kings. He is Lord of lords. He, all power has been given to him, Matthew 28. And his reign is, is, of, is of love. Jesus rules the nations, Revelation chapter 12, verse 5. And he is sovereign over everything. So when we don't see government and people in authority govern the way we think, we can take hope that Jesus is at the right hand of God the Father. Right? And we can tell that he is truly King of kings and Lord of lords. Right? So that leads us to number four. Honoring our father and mother brings, this is in your outline, brings blessing. Look with me in God's word, verse 12. Honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. So why do we honor it's because it brings blessing. It brings blessing. Now, this isn't, you probably thought I was going to create a revolution against Grant's sermon, right? This is not name it and claim it, right? It doesn't mean if we are nice to our parents, we're going to get something out of it, right? That's not what I mean here. Because the reality is this. There are some great children that have been alive that have died young, right? We know that. There's a twofold, excuse me, Really, I think three, as we can see here in your outline, what it means to live long in the land. Number one, it can be long and it can be short. That's the reality of it, right? Just because we are honoring our father and our mother, we can take care of them to, to their good old long age. But that's not always what it means. Sometimes it can be. By God's providence, he has numbered our days, right? So that whether we get to, you know, bury our parents and our children get to bury us, whatever it may be, that can be a reality. But sometimes the Lord calls those whom we love home early and their parents continue to live on. But what we need to see is truly what living long in the land is all about is number two, eternity. Eternity is in the blessing. That's what matters at the end of the day. That's what we see truly is going to be living long in those days. Is living for eternity, living forever with King Jesus, worshiping him always. And then I put here in number three, this goes back to what I was saying earlier. When we have a right understanding of authority and honoring our father and our mother, it's going to be passed down to generations. Really, right? My, I've told you many stories as you've gotten to know me over the years, but you know, my, 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 my dad's dad had a huge influence on me, a hard worker. He was in the funeral business, and um, he, he just had standards, right, like a person who works for a funeral home does, right? 
There was no misbehaving in the funeral parlor. You know, and I can remember him saying to me at an early age, when you would step foot in the funeral home, I don't want to see any horseplay. That was it. Because people there were to grieve, right? People there were, they were sad, right? And you don't want rambunctious kids running in the back, right? And the chapel, right? And just wreaking havoc, right? But I can remember him setting that tone for me and my sister and my cousins as well, right? You step foot in here, no horseplay, right? And so, but that had a huge impact on my life, but it also had an impact on my father's life, right? Because he understood the standard that his dad was putting into play, right? And then again, that goes from generation after generation, if we have a right understanding of authority. And I put that in there. A person who understands authority will be a good citizen, parent, employee, family member, and church member. It's going to have consequences, right? And especially as we understand here in the context of being a part of the family of faith, right? Because being a church member and understanding, honoring our father and our mother is always going to help us understand what truly of Christ being Lord over us. We ex- so often people accept Jesus as Savior, but they want to leave out the second half. We have to accept him as Jesus as Lord. The Lordship of Christ demands that we are to live a certain way, all according to his word, right? This is the right path. And so, in order for us to be good church members, we have to be understanding that his Lordship is telling us to go this way, the narrow way right, for us to live. And listen, the reality is this, when we obey authority, you can see those examples I put in there of citizen and parent and employee and family member, right? People are going to see it, right? People are going to see the yes ma'ams and the no ma'ams and yes sirs and no sirs, right? People just see it, right? And the way we, we talk to people in authority and we respect them, right? It really does have consequences on day-to-day life. Thanks for listening. For more sermons, information, and events, check out our website at capitalcommunitychurch.com.